0: Well, good morning to you all. My name is Joshua Jacobs. Um, I serve in France with Mission to the World, the mission agency of our um, church's denomination here, uh, the PCA. I have been in France since the year 2018. I was in Paris for two years uh, as a French language student, but very much involved with an evangelical and reformed church plant in that city. It's the only one of its kind in the whole Parisian region of about 11 million people. Um, I'm very encouraged to tell you I saw the Lord draw people to Himself, uh, many French people, but also some international people who were living in France. Uh, For this past semester, I was at the small John Calvin Seminary uh, in France, which was a great experience for me. It was a time when my French um, progressed rapidly. But it was also a time of encouragement for me because uh, there were simply not many young men there studying to be pastors um, in France. Uh, There were between two and five students in each class, and in in some way that encouraged me all the more to remain there with a view towards pastoral ministry. I'm very encouraged to say to you that I received a visa uh, two weeks ago. And so, all being well, this coming Tuesday, I will be on a plane uh, back to France for a one-year internship at a a smaller church in the countryside, and then I'm going to wait for the Lord to direct me where and how He wants me to serve Him after this coming year's internship. Uh, But my sense of calling and burden is to remain in France for the long-term in pastoral ministry. Um, So, please pray for the border to remain open through this coming Tuesday and Wednesday so that I'm able to return. Please pray as well for me, um, that my French would continue to progress so that I'd be able to preach the Word clearly, uh, because there are certainly many people who need to hear it, certainly inside the church, but of course outside the church. The Lord in His own way… has made it clear to me that so many French people have, have never had the gospel explained to them. And, um, you know, Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, Lord, send me, is, is one of my life verses. So, please do pray for me that the Lord would um, use me to advance His kingdom there, that I'd be faithful to the Lord and His Word, that I would be loving towards His people, that I'd be effective in evangelism, um, and that indeed my French would progress so that I'd be able to preach Uh, clearly and faithfully. Um, So, uh, please do pray for me. That being said, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to turn now uh, to Matthew chapter 5. We will be reading verses 1 through 20, and then uh, verses 27 through 30. So, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 through to verse 20, and then 27 to 30. If you're using the Pew Bible, you will find this passage on page 809. While you're turning there, let me say by way of introduction, we're here now on a rainy Sunday afternoon at the end of August, and in about two months' time from now, we as uh, Christians will be gathering and celebrating what we call the Reformation. Uh, The Reformation uh, began, so we trace it to um, a day in the year 1517 when German monk Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg in Germany, wanting to have a civilized discussion about these issues he had. There were 95 of them, and um, if off the top of my, uh, your heads, may I ask you if you know what number one issue was? Do you know what thesis number one was? And again, he could have began in any number of ways, he had 94 others, but what was his first thesis? That he wrote and posted on that door. Let me read it to you this morning. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And that word repentance is our theme for this morning. And with that in mind, I'd like to ask you to pray as we ask the Lord to bless our time this morning. So please join with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we as your people are gathered here on your Lord's day, we would pray your blessing on us as we turn to your word. We pray that uh, we would feed on Christ. We pray that we would be encouraged in our Christian faith, that we would grow in love and holiness and obedience to you. We pray uh, for whatever else might be competing for our attention this morning, that we would be able to put that to the side however important or unimportant it might be, that we would be able to focus fully on Your Word. Father, as Your servant Samuel said long ago, so too we pray, speak, Lord, for we, Your servants, are listening. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let us now read God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, I begin at verse uh, 1. for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Do not think that I have come to abolish the Law or the Prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the Law until all is accomplished, therefore whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be exalted and called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then down to verse 27. You have heard that it was said Cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Well, let's make a note by way of context this morning about our text as we find it here in Matthew chapter 5. Read with me uh, once again verse 1. Jesus begins, seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain, and when He sat down, His disciples came to Him. To you and me reading this text today, this might just seem like superficial information, but actually there's something very significant going on here. Jesus is not the first to teach God's law from a mountain. If we go back uh, to the Old Testament times, you might remember one of the great figures of the Old Testament, Moses himself, went up to the mountain, to Mount Sinai, where he received God's law and then came down and taught it to the people. And Matthew here, writing our gospel, was from a, a Hebrew background, and he was likely writing to Hebrew people. And it, one of his projects was to emphasize and explain to them all that this Jesus Christ who's speaking here is the prophet uh, written about throughout all of the old testament to whom all of the old testament points this mountain of jesus where jesus taught uh, the law is a link for the people then back to moses but there's more to it than just that there's a great verse here deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 written by moses himself Listen to what Moses himself writes here in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. The Jesus Christ that we meet here in Matthew chapter 5, teaching on the mountain, is the fulfillment of this prophet about whom Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Why why is this important? Why, Why are we explaining this context this morning? Well, yes, it's interesting information. It helps us understand the text. But the question, who is this Jesus, and why should we listen to His teaching, is explained for us in the context here. He is the one about whom Moses wrote, the one to whom the whole Old Testament points. He is God Himself come down to earth, and that is why we should listen to Him. And this is of very practical importance for us even today, because in just a moment we're going to discuss some some challenging words of Jesus. So the question is, why should we listen and obey these words of Jesus? Part of the answer is from the context here, because He is the prophet uh, all the Old Testament points to. He is God Himself. So when it comes to us obeying His teaching, we need to remind Himself just who it is that's calling us to live in obedience to these words. It's very practical for us today, and that brings us to our first main point this morning. The first point is this, that in the Bible, in the Old Testament as well as in the New, the focus is on the heart. That in the Old Testament as well as in the New, the focus is on the heart. Read with me verse 3 once again. Verse 3, Jesus says, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.'" In spirit, he's talking about the internal uh, core of our beings. It's not just a superficial poverty where we don't have lots of money in our bank account or in our wallets. No, he's talking about a poverty of spirit, a recognition of our need for God and his grace in our lives. That we do not on our own approach God in a place of merit, but no, we are a broken, needy people. And that's what Jesus has in mind here i quote now from martin lloyd jones a great preacher of the 20th century listen to what he has to say about this verse 3 here he writes in spirit fixes the sense to those who in their deepest consciousness realize their entire need this self-emptying conviction in our deepest selves that before God we are void, we are empty of everything, lies at the foundation of all spiritual excellence, according to the teaching of Scripture. Without it, without this sense of need, this poverty, this brokenness, we are inaccessible to the riches of Christ. But with it, we are in a fitting state for receiving all spiritual supplies. We need to recognize our internal need, our poverty, that we need the Lord, that we are a broken people, that our hearts are broken. We need the Lord and His grace in our lives. Read with me again verse 8 here, just a few verses later. Jesus says in verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see that point there that we need to recognize our heart's need, that we are a broken people. We need the Lord. I mentioned that this is a point from not just the New Testament here, but from all of the Old Testament. There's no shortage of passages in the Old Testament to which we could have turned to see this point, but I read uh, from Psalm chapter 51, which of course is David's great psalm of repentance. Listen to what David writes In Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. You see how the focus there is on our hearts, that we need to recognize our need for the Lord, that we approach Him as broken people who need His grace in our lives. Over the years, I've met some Chinese friends and I've met some Muslim friends And interestingly, they've both said the same thing about their respective cultures. Perhaps you've heard people say this before. What they've told me about their respective cultures is this. It's not what you do, it's what you get caught doing that's wrong. Have you ever heard that before? people talk that way. What, what you actually think, what you actually believe, and what, what you do when no one's watching, it's not important. What's important is, is what you are seen doing in front of others. It's that keeping up uh, the appearances. Have you heard that sort of thing? That is exactly the opposite of what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture in the Old Testament, as well as in the New, is that the focus is on our hearts, what we're believing, what we're thinking in our minds, the poverty, the purity of our thoughts and our desires. That is the focus of Scripture. So we see that in the Bible, the Old Testament, as well as in the New. The focus is on the heart. And that brings us then to our second point. And this is really the focus of our time this morning. The second point, based on verses 27 through 30. That as we focus on our hearts, we must cut out the sin that we find. As we focus on our hearts, we must cut out the sin that we find. Read with me once again verses 27, these, these challenging words from Jesus, starting at verse 27. "'You have heard that it was said, "'You shall not commit adultery.'" For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell." Let me say um, that this commandment that we see here, this principle that we see here that if we find sin in our hearts, we should cut it out and throw it away, does not pertain only to lust. That's what's in view here in Matthew 5. But let me read to you words from Matthew chapter 18 a few chapters later. It's not necessary that you turn there in your Bibles if you don't wish to, but let me read from Matthew chapter 18, verses 7 through 9. Listen very closely to these words of Jesus. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptations come. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Notice what Jesus said there. In Matthew chapter 18, he includes hands and feet. In in Matthew chapter 5, our theme passage for this morning, he talks about eyes. But notice what he's saying there. This is not just a matter of lust with the eyes. No, this is a principle we see, that if something in our lives is causing us to sin, we are to cut it out of our lives and get rid of it. Let me state the simplicity for us. Let's not make things more complicated than they need to be. This is a simple commandment from Jesus. If something, anything in our lives is causing us to sin, we are to get rid of it. That's the point of this text of Scripture here. Uh, We're talking about lust, and of course with the Internet there's an unlimited amount of ways to uh, be caught up in lust. Lust. Um, thinking as well of, of something like Facebook. I think we need to talk today about Facebook, not just for the images we see. Perhaps it's, it's an image that causes us to lust, but um, for so many people with, with the internet and social media, we see photos of the houses, of the vacations, of the clothes, of the you know, um, supposedly quality family lives of others, and it causes us to become deeply jealous. The message is simple this morning. If, if Facebook or social media is causing you to sin, get rid of it. Perhaps uh, you might have a scale in your bathroom. And that scale in your bathroom is, you know, what you think about all day long. And you spend your days thinking about your weight and how you look. And If that scale in your bathroom is, is causing you to sin, get rid of it can also talk about alcohol, which is always an issue. If driving by the bar or the liquor store is a temptation that causes you to sin, the commandment from Jesus here is simple. Don't go near it. Cut that driving route out of your life. And we can go on and on as we, we think about sin issues. Read the Old Testament or the New Testament. We human beings, we, we, uh, we, we have many ways of sin, sinning. You might know that famous phrase of John Calvin, that great French theologian, and don't you forget about it, John Calvin said, the human heart is a factory of idols. We we human beings, we, we, we have sin struggles in our life, but the point of Jesus' words for us this morning are simple. If there's something in your life that's causing you to sin, get rid of it. Let me also say that this is a commandment. This is not a suggestion. This is not a polite encouragement. Uh, In Greek, in which the New Testament is written, it's easier to uh, differentiate between a commandment and um, any other kind of saying. This is a commandment of Jesus. It's not a suggestion. it's, it's, It's not a polite saying. No, Jesus commands us to cut out sin that we find in our hearts and in our lives. Let me also make a comment. Uh, Why the morbid language? Um, Perhaps some of you are are a little bit off-put this morning. I mean, we're talking about chopping off limbs and tearing out eyes. Oh, that's very bloody and very unsettling language. Why is he using such language? And the answer, of course, because getting rid of sin is painful. Right? He's using language to get our attention to the intensity with which we should be fighting our sin. Getting rid of sin is painful in the same way that chopping off a hand or tearing out an eye would be painful and bloody. If it got your attention this morning, well then his words worked. That's the point. These words are intended to stop us in our tracks, get our attention, and to think seriously about the fight against sin in our lives. He does mention hell in this context. It's a very unpleasant thing for us to think about. But the whole point is to unsettle us jesus talks about hell in order to warn us about its reality so that we would take his words seriously so not to go there these words are supposed to get our attention the very unsettling graphic language about cutting off limbs and blood it's intended to unsettle us to get our attention and to exemplify the intensity with which we should be fighting against the sin of our lives. There's another point, though. I ask you to think about this. I mentioned in our first point that in the Old Testament as well as in the New, the focus is on our hearts. Focus is on our hearts. Think about these words of Jesus here. He says to us that if our right hand is causing us to sin, to chop it off, to get rid of it. But what happens if we get rid of our right hand if it's causing us to sin, right? Sooner or later, we will start using our left hand to sin. Get rid of our left hand. We have our right feet and then our right foot and then our left foot, which will take us to places to sin. And then we have our eyeballs. We get rid of all these things. But you know that the problem isn't just with the hands or the eyes. The problem is in the heart. We have a heart problem. The heart of the problem of our sin is the problem of the sinful heart. We cannot get rid of the heart and still live. And this is what uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who we quoted earlier, says this. Listen to these words here. The Sermon on the Mount that we see here in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount shows like nowhere else the absolute need of the new birth of the Holy Spirit and His work within our hearts. These beatitudes, these sayings we see here in Matthew chapter 5, crush me to the ground... They show me my utter helplessness, my heart's need. Were it not for the new heart which Jesus gives in the new birth, the new creation, we would be undone. Read it. Study it. Face yourself in the light of it. It will drive us to see our need of rebirth and the gracious operation of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that so leads to the gospel and its graces as the Sermon on the Mount, as we see it here in Matthew 5. Let me quote from another uh, 20th century uh, preacher, John Stott, who says this very helpfully. Listen to these words about our text this morning. He says that Jesus our Lord is not commanding here a self-maiming of a physical harm he is not commanding a physical harm but a rigorous self-denial not mutilation not physical harm but mortification a putting to death is the path of holiness taking up the cross means rejecting sinful practices so resolutely so intensely that we die to them or put them to death. That is what Jesus is saying here as we think about cutting out sin in our lives. And let me just read a, a text from Colossians from the Apostle Paul. It's one, one text, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, which I hope you will see really summarizes what we're saying here and what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. He writes, "'Put to death, therefore,' What is earthly in you calls us to live lives of holiness is the Jesus who died to forgive unholy people. Amen. Well, let me draw our time to a conclusion with four points of application this morning. Four points of application. First, very simply, as I've said before, it's worth repeating is there something in your lives that's causing you to sin? Is there something in your lives that's causing you to sin? The Word of the Lord this morning is to cut it out, to get rid of it. Um, if you'd like to talk through this, and if you need some encouragement with this, I'd invite you um, to talk with uh, a pastor or perhaps an elder this morning. Uh, we, we, we need each other. We need encouragement. If If that's you this morning, I'd encourage you to reach out, whether today or this week, to one of the pastors or elders who would be very happy to talk with you about this and pray with you and encourage you, which we're called to do as a body. But nonetheless, is there something in your lives that's causing you to sin? The Word of the Lord this morning is to cut it out. The second point, um, verses 27 through 30 of Matthew 5, which we looked at, Um, do concern lust, which is a a major issue we face today with the internet and television and different uh, media resources. Uh, Let me mention that um, not too far from here is Harvest USA, uh, which is a ministry that seeks to minister and encourage people um, who who are fighting against sinful um, issues, but also with gender and identity. If... if, um, You are looking for help and encouragement and hope. Please know there is hope in the gospel, and there is a ministry not terribly far from here which seeks to minister and help those who are wanting to grow in grace and holiness. So please know um, there is hope, there is help um, in the gospel. Let me also say third application this morning. I mentioned at the beginning uh, that quote from Martin Luther, that first thesis he mailed, he nailed to the door in Wittenberg. Um, That first thesis was, repent. Uh, Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. By way of application, let let me encourage all of us as Christians to make repentance part of our daily praying. Let us make repentance part of our daily prayers. Live lives of repentance. Fourth and finally… Let us always remember, let us never forget that the Jesus who calls us to obey His commandments, who calls us to do the very hard work of cutting out sin in our lives, the Jesus who calls us to obey Him is the Jesus who died on the cross to forgive us. Lawbreakers, commandment breakers, sinners that we are, He is the Jesus who Who died on the cross to forgive us. And let that be the motivation to live lives of holiness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we've considered Your Word a a challenging part of Your Word for us this morning as it uh, confronts us as sinful people, uh, we we do pray that as uh, Christians gathered here this morning, we would desire to live lives of obedience to You, In your word very graphic language is used and it's used to get our attention and it's used to um, illustrate the intensity with which we should be fighting against the sin that's in our lives we pray this morning that as a body of believers that we would be vigilant and um, motivated to fight against sin that if there is something in our lives that's causing us to sin that we would get rid of it. Right now, this afternoon would be the time when we get rid of whatever is causing us to sin. Please help us as Christians to grow in our uh, repentance. May we be frequent repenters, that as we turn to you in prayer, may we be um, eager to repent of our sin and our thoughts that are not pleasing to you. Uh, We pray finally, Father, that uh, as Christians we would be encouraged that we would always turn to the cross in our thinking and in our praying and our living, knowing that You died for us. You loved us. Those nails went into Your hands and to Your feet in order to forgive us. You died on the cross. You endured the wrath that we deserve. And we pray that this cross, this grace, would always be at the front and center of our thinking and our Christian living, and that your love for us displayed supremely on the cross would encourage us to obey your commands, to live lives of holiness, to cut out the sin that we find. Father, we pray all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.